This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. How many times do you pray each day? Billy Graham once said, Prayer in the morning is the key that opens the treasures of God's mercies, and in the evening it's the key that shuts us up under His protection and safeguard. Please stay with us as we continue our discussion on prayer with a New Testament story about the power of prayer in the hearts of believers. Today we're going to examine one of the greatest resources God has given his people. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God and Father, it's good to be with you in worship today. We rejoice in your goodness and grace, and we're grateful for your holy word, which brings us the direction, the encouragement, and assurance that our lives need. So we ask simply, Lord, that you would speak to us, for your people are listening. Amen. I've got a great story for you today from Acts chapter 12. About that time, King Herod laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He had James, the brother of John, killed with the sword after he saw that it pleased the Jews, so he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the festival of unleavened bread. When he had seized Peter, he put him in prison and handed him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. While Peter was kept in prison, the church prayed fervently to God for him. The very night before Herod was going to bring him out, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while guards in front of the door were keeping watch over the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He tapped Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his wrists. The angel said to him, Fasten your belt and put on your sandals. Peter did so. Then he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Peter went out and followed the angel. He didn't realize that what was happening with the angel's help was real. He thought he was seeing a dream. After they had passed the first and second guard, they came before the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went outside and walked along a lane when suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many had gathered and were praying. When he knocked at the outer gate, a maid named Rhoda came to answer. On recognizing Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the gate, she ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the gate. 
They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she insisted that it was so. They said, ah, it's his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the gate, they saw him and were amazed. He motioned to them with his hand to be silent and described for them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he added, tell this to James and to the believers. Then he left and went to another place. When morning came, there was no small commotion among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. When Herod had searched for him and couldn't find him, he examined the guards and ordered them put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they came to him in a body, and after winning over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for a reconciliation because their country depended on the king's country for food. On the appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat on the platform, and delivered a public address to them. The people kept shouting, The voice of a god and not of a mortal! And immediately, because he had not given the glory to God, an angel of the Lord struck Herod down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to advance and gain adherence. Here ends our reading. Dear friends, when all else fails, pray. I heard someone say that recently. Not the first time. Maybe you've heard that as well. Speaking from personal experience, I've learned, though, and I have to be reminded again and again, that this statement is a very unwise way to operate in life. Prayer is not given to us to be just an alternative when all human efforts fail. It's not given to us to be a final option, but a first step. It's, it's a gift, a privilege given to us by our great God, meant to be our go-to in all matters of life. Prayer is a, having a relationship with the creator of the universe, connecting with him. We were made and redeemed for communion with him through prayer. It's an important part of the process of walking with God and growing in our relationship with God and serving him in this world. Yet, sometimes we struggle with prayer, don't we? Perhaps out of disappointment from past attempts at it, we set it aside, or maybe there's a lack of discipline in our lives, or just plain old forgetfulness. Life gets busy, and we get distracted, and we're all the poorer for it when we do that. Our series theme is uh, a couple great reasons to pray. We're answering the question, why bother with praying? In last week's message, we learned a great reason to pray is because Nehemiah prayed, and look what happened. And today's uh, answer to that question is because the early church did. Earlier, we read a story from Acts chapter 12. Rather exciting story. It's a time of persecution and violence against the early church in Jerusalem. It was now not only under attack from... Uh, a Jewish population that didn't want them around. Now it was under attack by the government. It appears that James, the brother of John, was arrested and beheaded by a king named Herod. Why? Because Herod's approval ratings needed to go up amongst the Jewish population. 
These were unhappy times. There was a famine. He, they didn't like the Romans anyway, and he was looking for ways to keep the Jewish majority happy and peaceful. He knew their dislike of Christians, so getting rid of one of the leaders of the church would cause his approval ratings to soar among the population. It worked so well, we see in our story for today, that he had Peter arrested, another leader, and scheduled to go on trial and be beheaded. We find Peter surrounded by 16 soldiers in a prison. He's in chains. Things are in a bad way. The leadership of the church is on the line. The future of the kingdom cause seemed to be in question. So what did these early Christians do? Did they panic and scatter? No. The church gathered and prayed for Peter, it says. Now, the night before Peter's trial and execution, while the church is praying for God's help in this and, and an intervention of some sort, we're told <laughs> Peter's sound asleep while they're praying. Peter's sleeping, but God wasn't. Peter's cell shone with a bright light suddenly, and an angel poked Peter in the side and woke him up and said, Get up, let's go, get dressed. And three miracles occurred. The, the chains fell off his hands and feet. All 16 of the guards that were supposed to keep an eye on him slept as Peter walked right by them, all the while thinking that he was just having a dream. The big iron gate opened all by itself, and Peter and his rescuer headed down the street. When Peter turned to say something to his escape partner, the partner had disappeared. And then Peter realizes, this wasn't a dream. The Lord's rescued me. So he runs to the house church that's been praying for him, and the door is locked. He can hear them praying inside, I imagine. Peter knocks on the door, calls out a little servant lady named Rhoda who had come to the door, hears his voice as he's calling out, and she's so surprised and overjoyed she runs to tell the others but leaves Peter standing outside the door. She tells the others about this, and they tell her, you're out of your mind. You're out of touch with reality. You're just seeing things. Maybe it's Peter's angel. Maybe he's dead already. In the meantime, Peter keeps knocking on Mary's door, looking over his shoulder, I imagine, sweating bullets by now because he thought there would be a search party out looking for him to arrest him again. Well, finally, they listen to Rhoda, and they go to the door, and they open it, and there stands Peter. And everyone there is shocked to see Peter standing there alive and well. They start talking amongst themselves and then he silences them and he tells them about how the Lord brought him out of the prison and he then instructed them to go and tell James the brother of Jesus who was also a big leader in the church at that time like Peter and tell other believers as well so that they might be encouraged by it that they might be renewed by the thought that God really is with us and for us in all of this even during dark times and then Peter went on his way to do ministry elsewhere. It's an amazing story. But this is more than just a great adventure story to entertain us, to cause us to enjoy and marvel at 
how God used to do these sorts of things. It's not saved for our entertainment, friends. It's saved for our edification as God's people in Christ, as part of his church. Because first of all, it serves as a wonderful reminder to us of the greatness and faithfulness of the God to whom we pray. This God hears and answers prayer. He is active in this world. There is no hands-off approach on the part of God. And as the hymn says, this is my Father's world. He is in charge. His will will be done. That the wrong seems also strong. God is the ruler yet. You see, this little episode is part of a bigger story. Remember the beginning of the book of Acts when Jesus said to his disciples, Now wait in Jerusalem for that power to come from on high, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all the ends of the earth. In other words, he's told them God has plans for this good news to be spread all over the world. It's going to happen. And in this story, as we find God's church under duress with a king who thinks he's in charge and going to shut this thing down with the leader Peter being captive to him, God steps in. In the end of the story, as you read on, Herod dies, doesn't he, and is eaten by worms, and Peter is alive. The gospel continues to spread to the ends of the earth, and more and more people come to trust in Jesus Christ. When all is said and done, by the end of this episode, God has won. He always has, always does, he always will. His purposes will not be thwarted. The gospel, the good news of Christ's life and death and resurrection, could not be silenced and cannot be silenced. It just keeps going on and on. And we see that God loves his church. It's a theme that comes out in this story. As he involves himself with his people. So the first thing is this great picture of a faithful God who's in charge. The next thing that comes up in this story, I think it's meant to, it's meant to encourage us to pray more boldly, to anticipate God's answers, to be on the lookout for them. The Surprise of these praying Christians in the story when Peter shows up at the house church shows that they weren't expecting anything to come of their praying. Maybe they just thought this was too impossible of a situation. So when they hear that Peter's at the door, they go, you're out of your mind. But they were again taught that our God is Lord of the impossible, didn't they? He specializes in great escapes. I mean, look at the empty tomb on Easter. Jesus was dead behind that tomb, and the door was opened, and he walked out. But let's not be too hard on them. Don't we perhaps sometimes pray with pretty low expectations? Maybe we'll say, yeah, sure, we can pray, but probably won't make any difference. At least that's what's rolling around in our minds. I'm reminded of a little story about a, a tavern opened up on the main street of this little town that was a dry county. And the only church in that small town organized on an all-night prayer meeting. And the members asked God to burn down that tavern. Within a few minutes, lightning struck the, the tavern and it burned to the ground. 
The owner sued the church, which denied responsibility. After hearing both sides, the judge said, It seems that wherever the guilt may lie, the nightclub owner believes in prayer, while the church doesn't. Are we guilty of that? Let's not be too hard on those folks. But your prayers do make a difference. John DeVries, in his little book, Why Pray?, in writing about missions and the church and the importance of prayer, says, Every praying Christian must understand that his or her prayers are not simply, quote, support for various missions. They are the real work of mission. When done properly, they make it possible for the missionaries to perform the mop-up operations that God has already done his work as he responds to prayer. God does answer prayer in his own time and in his own ways. We need to simply keep praying and keep looking for those answers. You see, the big idea for today then is that the same God who heard the prayers and rescued Peter and saw to the spreading of the good news of Jesus to the far reaches of the ancient world, is still able to do the unimaginable and the impossible. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So people of God, pray confidently, pray boldly, pray constantly. Do you know someone that's far from God that needs Jesus Christ in their life? Then pray first for an opportunity to witness, or for an open door to have a relationship, or for someone else to be able to witness. Know of a dark situation where evil seems to be winning? Pray for the light of the gospel to shine in that situation, for God's power to go to work against evil. Know of a church that's struggling to keep its doors open? Pray First, that God might revive that church with his Holy Spirit and bring it to life. Fan the flames with the gospel. You have a pastor or a chaplain or another ministry that you want to see thrive for the cause of the kingdom of God. Pray for God to use that individual mightily to his glory and his honor. Wanting God to use you to build his kingdom in some way? Pray first. Pray for opportunities and for insights on how God might want to use you. Recently, I I came across a story out of Christianity Today magazine written by a lady named Brenda McNeil. Amazing story about the power of prayer. She writes, I once met a brother from Ghana, West Africa, who was completing his Ph.D. in the School of World Missions at Fuller Seminary. During one of his trips home, he attempted to share the gospel with several people who lived in the community. Although they listened respectfully, no one turned to Jesus Christ. He later learned that they were intimidated by a witch doctor who lived nearby. The witch doctor kept a symbol of his authority hanging outside his home, a lattice basket filled with water that never leaked. My friend decided to pray that God would empty the basket. He stayed outside the home of the witch doctor and prayed all night that God would demonstrate his power. At some point, he fell asleep. The next morning, he was awakened by a commotion. The basket was empty. 
That town saw a mass revival as people learned about the God who caused the water to come out of the basket. There had been a power encounter, and God had won. Just like our story today. People of God, let us commit ourselves to be people of prayer. As individuals, as churches, I believe that the church could have so much more power to accomplish great things for God if we just were praying more. We need to always be remembering those assuring words of another early Christian, a man named the Apostle Paul. Listen to these words that he wrote. If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Good question. People of God, may we be known as a praying people, trusting in our great and loving God who answers prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being available, approachable, and actively involved in our world. With your Spirit's power, build our faith up so that prayer is our automatic go-to every day and in every situation. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above to watch over and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to become a person of prayer first as you trust and love the God who answers prayer. Christian Crusaders cares deeply about the spiritual lives of our listeners. If you have a concern for which you desire prayer, please contact us by visiting our webpage and following the Is This For You link. Our board of directors and staff are dedicated to lifting up our listeners to the throne of grace through intercessory prayer. All requests are kept confidential. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry dedicated to serving the spiritual needs of those unable to attend worship in the church of their choosing and all others who have need to listen. If you enjoyed today's program, we invite you to help support this ministry with your prayers and financial gifts. All donations to this ministry are considered tax-deductible. Our mailing address is Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or you can call us toll-free at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day and pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was Pastor Steve Kramer of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 82nd year of broadcasting biblical truth.